Thanks for checking out this podcast from SWGFL. We're here to help teachers and education professionals support children and young people in all that they do online. Just to avoid any confusion, in autumn of 2022, we branded our podcasts as Interface. This is actually one of our older episodes from before the big rebrand, so it might sound a little bit different. However, there's still the same top quality advice and expert support throughout. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Safe and Empowered podcast. I'm Jess McBeth, a consultant with SWGFL, partner in the UK Safer Internet Centre. Today, I'm joined by Carla Molseed from the NSPCC. We're talking online bullying and the new Think Before You Type toolkit. Welcome, everybody. And hello, Carla. Hi. Hello, hello. Now, it would be helpful if you could just tell everyone a bit about who you are and what your role is with the NSPCC. So um, as you've said, my name is Carla Molseed and I am the local campaigns manager for Scotland um, in the NSPCC. And what that really means in terms of practical terms is that I design and deliver campaigns along, among local communities, um, including groups of young people. And that's what I'm here to talk to you about today is one of the campaigns we delivered with a group of 16 young people called Think Before You Type and that the new resource that that has led into. Fabulous. Thank you. So let's talk about cyberbullying. Actually, that term's falling out of favour, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is a bit. Um, so we know already from our partners at Respect Me, who we worked with on the toolkit, that young people don't really like the term cyberbullying. Um, they say it feels a bit old fashioned and a bit outdated. And I think whenever we think about the word cyber, generally, we probably don't use it in relation to a lot of other things. Um, and also young people have said that they think it represents like a separation between um, bullying online and bullying in the real world for want of a better term but we know that for young people the internet is the real world yeah um, and also actually for most young people who experience bullying online they're probably experiencing it offline too so I think actually the term cyberbullying really indicates um, a bigger issue around the fact that we need to listen to young people more generally yeah totally agree with that and actually I hadn't thought about the fact that it's the word cyber because cyber like cyber kind of went out of fashion, then it came back in again. So it's interesting. But yeah, I think when we talk about cyber, we tend to think of cybersecurity, don't we? Not so much cyber bullying. But I totally with you on that one. Um, it, I, I tend to think of bullying as relational, you know, as in it's the function of of relationships that we have. So um, and and most of those relationships are going to be face to face. So it's just it can, you know you can be bullied online by somebody who doesn't like you when you're offline. <laughs> So I think, you know, I would also, yeah, I suppose, distinguish it a little bit from trolling. Quite often children who do experience bullying online are bullied online by someone they know in real life. And so it's probably a continuation of bullying offline as well. Of course, children and young people can experience bullying by strangers as well. But often the group we worked with said that it was linked back to school and to young people that they knew in real life as well. This toolkit what what's what's it kind of encompassed in because you know when we think of cyberbullying or bullying online um general advice right block and report that's what people generally say block and report so isn't that enough why do we need a toolkit it's funny because whenever we worked with the young people on this project they were like oh you know adults always just tell us to block and report um and for them that advice clearly wasn't enough um so i guess the toolkit is a 
it's a framework for school staff or education staff and local authority staff to work alongside young people to come up with their own campaigns on online bullying and begin to identify solutions alongside with young people. And I think there's so much we can learn from young people on this. Um, like they understand the issues better than any of us will. They're experts in their own experience. And because they are the ones experiencing it, they also know what this, the solutions can be. Um, and for them, that is so much more than blocking and reporting. And obviously they are important tools, but as you've said, bullying is about relationships. So it's not as straightforward as, okay, well, I'll just block and report this person on social media and that's the problem solved. Yeah, sometimes I talk to young people about the difference between blocking and muting where it's available. You know, so some platforms, depends how it works, but um, I mean, I've heard from young people that have said, you know, if I if I block somebody, well, they're going to work out that I blocked them. And then what you've done is you've just made the, <laughs> the situation a whole lot worse. So we're seeing, I think, the rise of some of these other tools like muting, where you can maybe be you can stop listening to somebody, but in a quieter way. Right. So you just you just kind of mute their stuff. You can see it if you want to see it, but it's not in your face um, and it's not a Sometimes as well, I've heard from young people that one of the things that worries them is this idea that if they block someone, um, then they won't see what that what that person's saying about them. Right? They've cut them off, but everybody else is still yeah, in contact with that person. And that is definitely one of the things that we heard from the young people involved in this was, of course, you can block people. And it means certainly that you might not see the mean comments that they are posting about you, but it doesn't mean that other people aren't. Um, and even if they block them, it might be that their friends screenshot them and text you them or WhatsApp you them. And so it doesn't really address the problem. All it does is temporarily stop yeah, you from Yeah, it's not a solution, them. is it? So what kind of solutions did young people come up with? What kind of things were they suggesting? There were, like There was a whole broad range of them. And I think for one young person, what works won't necessarily be what works for others. Um, and the group we worked with really talked about the importance of adults listening to them about what the response was after an online bullying incident. So for some people, it is that they want to sit down and have the conversation with the person who has been bullying them um, and to explain the impact of that and to try and find a way forward. For other young people, they just wanted to stop. They don't want an apology. They don't want to have the conversation. Um, they really talked a lot about the fact that adults don't understand their online world enough. And they spoke about both parents and carers, but also school staff really needing to learn a lot more about what was happening online. Obviously, like the internet is changing all the time. The apps, games and sites that children and ourselves are using are changing all the time. Like a year ago, I'd never been on a Zoom call. Um, and so it is difficult to keep up. And no one is saying that adults have to become experts in each individual app, game and site. But I think just developing our understanding where we can and finding out more about children and young people's online world by having the conversations with them both about what they're doing online but also what to do if they see something that makes them worried or upset so when they talked about adults not knowing enough about their online world did they give you any examples of that like what they meant by that because you kind of put your finger on the key thing which is that lots of adults certainly people that I work with and, and parents and professionals what you know what's kind of in their mind is if only I knew a bit more about this particular app you know if only I understood about how this particular thing works once I'm on top of the technology then you know then I can start to have a conversation but I can't do that yet because I don't understand so there's a 
you know, there's a kind of vicious cycle because then everyone, and of course, technology moves apace. So you will never actually be on top of it. So, you know, we have to kind of sidestep that. But was it was it that young people were thinking that they wanted um, adults to know more about the technology itself, like how the apps work? Or was it other aspects of their online life? I think it was broader than that, in that I think there was a general feeling that adults just didn't really get what children and young people were doing online, maybe didn't understand why it was important to them. Um, like they spoke a lot about the fact that quite often adults only broached these conversations when something went wrong. Um, they talked about adults responding by restricting access to the internet. So um, quite often young people had said, you know, they probably wouldn't tell a parent if something happened online because they didn't want to get their phone taken off them or told that they couldn't go on whatever the app or site was anymore. Um, and there was just this general feeling that adults just really didn't get it. Um, and obviously that's different for different parents and some parents will be really tech savvy and will be completely on it. Um, but it's about that wider picture about what it is children and young people are doing online, why they like to do it. I think that's why it's important as adults that we do keep these conversations really balanced because so often we do only talk about online whenever something has gone wrong, um, which means that those conversations are automatically going to be negative with young people. But if we start chatting to them so much earlier about like really simple things, like we ask young people all the time, what did you do in school today? What did you learn? Who were you talking to? The same things, the same questions you can apply to what they're doing online as well. And just really remembering that the internet is so integral to their lives now, the same way it is for all of us. Like I'm as bad for sitting and scrolling on my phone while watching TV as anybody else. So I think really remembering that balance and thinking about ourselves as role models of good behavior is really important as well. Did you come across any examples of good practice? Like, did, did you have any young people or maybe professionals who said to you, this is, this is how we approach things, you know, in our setting and actually it's worked really well? Yeah, so every young person we spoke to was able to think of at least one person that they could go to who, if something happened, that they would really trust to react. Um, and the kind of things that that person would do really I guess were respecting confidentiality it was listening to the young people about what they wanted the next steps to be keeping them informed keeping them part of the process um so people young people were always or almost always able to think of someone that they could go to and that they would trust to respond appropriately um so I think that like there's plenty of good practice out there it's just about making sure that we're all doing these things Mm -hmm. So we should probably just go back to the toolkit a little bit. So it's called Think Before You Type. Is it available online? Yes. Yeah, so you can download the toolkit from the Respect Me website. Um, and if you just type Think Before You Type Respect Me into Google, it will come up. Um, it's a really great piece of kit. It was designed alongside young people, so it's so relevant. Um, you can download it, you can print it off the internet, and there are sheets um, for the school staff, but there's also things to give out directly to the young people to help with them with planning their own campaigns. Um, it's designed primarily for use in secondary schools, but we have had primary schools using it as well in those like older year groups, so P6 and P7 as well. Wow, great. 
And are you going to be monitoring progress? Do you, is it already out there? Do you get feedback? So we have had some feedback. So we launched the toolkit a few months ago, but obviously schools haven't been in as much recently and so haven't been able to do as much on this as probably either they or we would like. Um, so we have had some great feedback from schools so far. We're really, really keen to talk to anyone who's interested. Um, and I would definitely encourage people to get in touch with me if they are thinking about using the toolkit and would just like to hear a bit more we would love to hear from them and how can they do that is there an email address yeah, or they can email me at carla which is c-a-r-l-a dot molseed which is m-a-l-s-e-e-d at nspcc.org.uk and um, people will also be able to find that email address just if they google me um, and it's on the think before you type toolkit on the respect me website as well Fabulous. So one of the things that I've been, um, when I've kind of been thinking about bullying, and I'd be interested to hear your your kind of opinion on this, and we've probably touched on it a little bit already, um, with the kind of block and report thing, you talked about some young people would be interested in, in mediation, essentially, so, you know, kind of sitting down um, process with the person who's who's kind of not treating them very well. And I guess that's one of the things that I've wondered, you know, if we looked beyond bullying in young people in schools but if we look at some of the issues that we are all experiencing online so if we think about trolling if we think about some of the big issues like this idea of kind of cancel culture and you know clash of clash of kind of culture wars all that kind of stuff there's a big question mark there I suppose about how we are how well we are able to debate online you know to have conversations where there's a difference of opinion you know what I mean did that come out at all in your because you know it, when you when you're bullying somebody might just be targeting you right and they're just they're just being nasty directly to you but then it could be a situation where you know you're in group chat for example and somebody says something and somebody else you know takes offense and that turns into an issue yeah, so Respect Me have some great information on their website about this, where they talk about bullying being both the behaviour but also the impact. And so that impact and how it is received is really, really important. Um, I think one of the big things that young people themselves spoke about was that really fine line between banter and bullying. Um, and I think that's why the impact thing is so important. So quite often young people would say they had maybe felt that the comment was bullying or that it was mean but the person who had said it would just dismiss it as oh it's fine it was just banter it was just banter um but actually if that impact um does take away that other young person's sense of self or undermines their self-confidence um, and that is a bigger issue than banter and it's really important that we do really understand the impact on children and young people's mental health on bullying and that we don't just dismiss these incidents as banter um, and do look at that proper impact as well yeah and I think you know that would apply as much to adults as, as young people wouldn't it because we often hear about people that are kind of disconnecting from Twitter because they've been you know receiving abuse um, the other sort of angle that I've looked at here which I think is absolutely fascinating and terrifying of course is why we bully online you know like is it is it for the same reasons that we bully offline I don't know if you've looked into this at all, but obviously there are some, some of it's just the same, but there are some, there is some research showing that, you know, anonymity online, um, lack of eye contact, 
things like that lend themselves to a lack of empathy. You know, we don't feel such a connection with other people because we don't feel that connection. We're more likely to be a little bit sharper, a little bit nastier. Did you look at that at all in your in your kind of work? Maybe not if you were just sort of looking at the the end result, I suppose. I guess what we did do is we asked the young people we were working with, both within our direct youth advisory group, but also within the schools across Angus, which is where the first campaign happened, about why they thought other children did bully. Um, and actually that online element about anonymity was one of the things that really came up quite a lot um, and about the fact that things online could be much more easily dismissed as banter than things that were maybe said in person and the fact that it did make people maybe a little bit braver in saying those mean comments um, and also sometimes children may bully others online without actually realizing that it is bullying then it's because you're maybe not seeing that impact directly um so it is really important that people do recognize that like liking and sharing of mean comments for example as bullying um but yeah i think like there's probably so much more work that we could all do in terms of understanding why children bully generally um, but I do think some of the stuff online is really related to the fact that you don't see the impact immediately. You can remain anonymous. You can dismiss it as banter. Things like Snapchat, where it disappears after a short space of time. Um, you're maybe not going to be held accountable in the same way that you would be if you said something in a classroom, for example. Yeah. And again, I think I've seen the sort of rise of deniability right so whereas so so you know disappearing images are helpful with that because uh, it disappears let's take a screenshot but this idea of you know talking about somebody without actually naming them you know subtweeting um leaving deliberately leaving somebody out of a group chat you know all things that can be explained away and i think that thing like where you're deliberately leaving people out can be as hard on children as the mean comments as well and I think maybe as adults, we can sometimes just chalk that up to, oh, well, you know, all children experience bullying or difficult things. And that's something that we've always undergone. But the fact that so much is online now and like the online, the 24 hour nature of online bullying, it just can make it a bit relentless for children and young people. Like whenever I was at school, if I was being bullied in the classroom, I finished school at 3.20 every day. I went home and that would have been it. But nowadays, um, children can be bullied around the clock, really. And particularly whenever you're thinking about what that's like for a child at night alone, um, say in their bedroom, and they're still receiving these mean comments, like that can be really, really difficult. And the impact on their mental health of that can be huge. Let's talk just very briefly about the practicalities for educators that are interested in using the toolkit how how resource intensive is it how much time does it take is it over a period of weeks what's the you know what what are the things that they would need to be thinking about if they're interested in using it so the toolkit is really designed to be quite flexible so it shouldn't be particularly resource intensive especially i guess because the idea is that it should really be the young people themselves who are leading the campaign so it's very much more a supportive role from um a teacher or whoever that is within a school who's supporting them. Um, it does provide a step-by-step -step guide to running your campaign. So you can begin right at the beginning with setting up your own youth advisory group. 
and you can work through each of the steps all the way up to delivering activity and evaluating that activity. But equally, if you're just looking for something to do really quickly, say for example, an anti-bullying week in November, you don't need to use the whole toolkit, but you might be able to pick out different elements or aspects of it if you don't have the time to go through the whole process, um, but where you can still work with young people to design certain activities. So the whole idea is, I guess, that it should be really flexible, it should be really adaptable, um, and it should fit really the needs of almost any young person in terms of being able to pick it up and being able to say really quickly, this is what we would like to do. And it just needs that adult, I guess, supporting them and shaping them and really enabling them, I guess, within their school as well to carry out this work and help get that message out within their school. Because what these young people have done, like the group we worked with in Angus, like they stood up in their schools, they delivered assemblies to hundreds of people. Um, and like that can be intimidating as an adult, um, never mind as a 13 or 14 year old standing up and delivering an assembly in such a difficult and sensitive topic. Um, so they have been amazing, but they do need the support to be able to do that. Fantastic. Well, look, thank you so much for your time, Carla. It's been great talking to you. And let's hope that we see the toolkit being used in schools across Scotland, because of course, mental health, particularly now and all the kids potentially coming back to school, you know, this is a really important time, isn't it? Getting those communities Absolutely. back together and forging those friendships that have been remote for so long. Okay, so thank you. Um, now, if you have a query about an online safety issue affecting a young person, yourself or your organisation, you can contact the Professionals Online Safety Helpline at helpline at saferinternet.org.uk. And if you have a question or a topic that you'd like me to cover on the podcast, don't forget to drop me an email at podcast at swgfl.org.uk. Goodbye.